welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. If Bigfoot exists, why has a body never been found? What do Bigfoot and UFOs have in common? What is Monsterland? Hello and welcome to the 688th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I am Steve LaPlume sitting in for Ben, who is on vacation with his wife, celebrating their first wedding anniversary. So happy anniversary to them. Happy anniversary to Okay. Uh, today we bring you a new look at that big, lovable guy of many names, Bigfoot, Yeti, Sasquatch. And we welcome your calls and emails. It's 800-449-1240 from anywhere in the U.S. or Canada. Paul at BehindTheParanormal.com for emails. Ronnie LeBlanc is the author of the recently published book, Monsterland, Encounters with UFOs, Bigfoot, and Orange Orbs. Orbs. Ronnie is a lifelong resident of the esoteric metaphysics. What? Who wrote this script? (laughs) Ronnie is a lifelong resident of Lemonster, Massachusetts, and has always been interested in the esoteric, metaphysical, and alternative history. Once his personal life seemed to become intertwined with his research, uh, he was driven to write a book about his, ex- his experiences and the hidden history of Monsterland, which is actually a place that people, it's unofficial, but <laughs> anyway, he lives in his native town, uh, Lemonster, and uh, works in the uh, advertising industry in Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, Ronnie, um, just before we begin, tell us about your uh, TV show and uh, podcast and uh, everything else you've been doing. And yeah. We'll repeat that at the end so people Sure, know. yeah. Uh, so I'm starting uh, the Monsterland podcast and that's going to be launching next month. I uh, also have a show on WAF 107.3 FM every third Monday of the month with Maddie and Nick. It's called Monsterland Monday, and we talk about any upcoming news that deals with Bigfoot, UFOs, and that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then uh, WPKZ 105.3 FM in Fitchburg launching a weekly That's uh, Massachusetts for you. Yep, Massachusetts yeah. weekly radio show from uh, uh, 1 to 2 every Friday. Cool. And uh, certainly a warm welcome to today's guest co-host, Stephen LaPlume, who's co-hosted with us before, a very uh, dear friend, uh, and uh, also also a native of Lemonster, Massachusetts, right. which we thought was a singularly appropriate today uh, for this show to have uh, the two of you with us. Um, and again, the, the uh, vicinity of which, uh, Lemonster, we were hiking, the three of us, yesterday. Not the best weather conditions, but we, hey, we're <laughs> rugged guys, you we know, did it. Uh, various uh, ages. And uh, we had a very interesting time. I didn't see the big guy, though, unfortunately. No. But uh, a lot of uh, evidence of coyotes, some of which we stepped in. So. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> so, um, okay, so Ronnie LeBlanc, welcome to uh, Behind the Paranormal. Thank you. And uh, if you could, uh, tell us a bit about Monsterland and where we hiked yesterday. And uh, actually, I have a question of when did, uh, when did all this kind of migrate to the East Coast? You know, that's a, that's a good question. Um, for me, I've always... Thought I think we, we talked about this yesterday that with Bigfoot, it's always been uh, northwestern, you know, up in northern California and Oregon and Washington, and so from the books and stuff that I had read before, that was kind of the uh, definition of where it would be. But it's all over the country. People are having these sightings, having these different experiences, and unbeknownst to me, um, I kind of fell into this where. Uh, a couple went hiking in, in Lemonster State Forest and found a series of six footprints, barefoot f- footprints with a six-foot stride between each print, straight line. Um, they were felt like they were being watched the entire time. I ended up going up there to help cast one of those prints, which led to us being on Finding Bigfoot. And just kind of 
turned into this whole uh, monster, if you will, of all these different stories coming out, people that were sitting on these stories and these encounters because they were afraid of people uh, making fun of them or being ridiculed. And so a lot of them just kind of stayed within the community until uh, the story kind of hit the papers and kind of got a little bit more um, ammunition uh, kind of going out. And so all these stories started coming in. Um, so Monsterland is a small area, um, southern Leominster, right around the Lancaster, Massachusetts border. And the reason it got its name, which I did not know, uh, it was basically a place where people would go, uh, different sand dunes by the power lines, Kids would go there and party. Uh, people would go and you know ride their four-wheelers, ATVs, dirt bikes, all that. But it had all these different encounters of people seeing a creature, um, having things thrown at them, hearing strange noises. And uh, the way the, the story kind of evolved and how it got its name is there was a gentleman that was driving by Old Mill Road where there's a uh, little bridge and he saw this creature, and this is back in the late 50s. He goes to the nearest establishment, which at the time was a place called Twins Bar. It was the only place that was open. And he runs in there and tells the uh, the manager what he saw. He's frantic. I just saw this terrifying creature off the side of the road. He's like, you know, this it looked like a Bigfoot-type creature. This is real. Call the police. The manager kind of looked at him like, well, okay, who's this guy? And... After a little a little while, I realized, okay, he's he's seen something. So he calls the police. Uh, the gentleman was very impatient and said, I'm going back. I'm going to prove to everybody that this thing exists. So he goes back to the spot. The police show up. Alumnus uh, PD shows up um, minutes after he left. Manager explains the whole scenario. They go to the area where he had this sighting. They find his car. The door's open. The lights are on. The engine's running. He's nowhere to be found, so they just expect him to be emerging from the woods, you know, any minute. He just, he must be right there. They kept on waiting, waiting. He never emerges. And that's how the story kind of started, where people were seeing these different creatures. But what's interesting, it goes back to 1884, where... I was going to ask you... What yeah, um, so there was um, a, a hunter that was out in that same area of land and saw this creature walking on two legs and he was mystified and when the creature noticed that he was being watched it broke down into all fours and ran off like a bear that same area uh, another farmer proclaimed that he saw a, a creature on two legs snag some of his pigs and run off and so this is where it goes way back then uh, and then people kept on having these different stories and, again, sitting on them. But what's interesting is the area known as Monsland was called before the UFO landing area. So there's that connection with Bigfoot and UFOs that it, that before this was even called Monsland, people were calling it the UFO landing area because people were seeing craft hovering over power lines. Supposedly there was a uh, craft that actually landed. And... Um, there were tracks in the ground from, from the landing gear and all these different things. So this area has had a history of not only UFOs and Bigfoot, but also these orange orbs, which are kind of taking off now. People are talking about them more, but they... I see I, what he did there, Steve, taking yeah. off. I like that. See. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I found that um, they actually flew over Fort Devens. In 1952, I found this this old letter. Kind of a major uh, military base. Yeah. And... Um, yeah. 
and uh, the Department of Defense actually trains. Does all their training out of Fort Devens now. Yeah. It was uh, an intelligence base. This is where we trained our spies. That's right. Um, they had eight orange balls of light fly over the air base at the time. So this was before it split off. Um, and they had no idea what these things were. And they came in one after another flying over the base. And I've had numerous experiences with these things. I know other people have. And they've also been associated with Bigfoot and been in these different hot spots. So that's what really kind of intrigued me to kind of dig a little bit more and find out more about this stuff. Uh, but also things started happening to me as I started doing getting into this. Yeah, it's uh, it was like a John Keel kind of thing. Yeah, and it's right. it was it was a little scary at first. Yeah. The... Th- well, you yesterday said you have not had a an official sighting yourself. However, your yeah. daughter had an interesting experience with her uh, re- relatively recently with a cell phone and what came out on it. Yeah, if you'd feel you know, comfortable yeah. to share that. Yeah. So this was about I think um, uh, last summer, and um, my nephew was over and the kids were playing in the backyard and it was. Well after dusk, so there was, um, you know, no real light. And they're playing out in the backyard by the swing set. And kind of adjacent to the woods? Somewhat, yeah. Yeah, yeah we're, we're pretty much pretty close to Lemister State Forest. Not right. smack dab, but we're fairly close. And um, she said, Dad, can I borrow your cell phone? It's like, wow. She's like, I just want to take a couple of pictures. So I'm like, okay. So I'm thinking she's just going to take some pictures of the kids playing on the swing set, whatever. She snaps about three photos and gives it back to me. Go here you go. I'm like, okay. So I put it in my pocket. And we end up going inside after, having ice cream or whatever. And I said, Emma, what did you want my camera for? Oh, I saw some uh, weird light that was flying around the the swing set. And I quickly grab my phone and I look at this thing. And there's this small orange orb, this ball of light. And there were three shots. Uh, the first one was it basically kind of coming closer to the swing set. And the second one was basically, you know, coming closer and hovering. And then the third picture, I noticed the light again had moved a little closer. But at the bottom of this light, like off to the ground, was this other kind of glowing light. And I zoomed in on this thing. And there are faces in the light. Like, looks like gnomes or like... Leprechaun, I can't even explain it, and I showed you guys yesterday. Yeah. yeah. It creeped me out. I was like, what the heck is this? But, you know, it's, you know, these balls of light, are they they're associated with spirits? Are they somehow connected to these other forms? And there was also some weird creature in the far end of the picture, which almost looked like this kind of like an alien-looking thing, kind of peeking behind the tree, too. And uh, I'm like, this is in my backyard. You know, like, what is going well, on? We, we looked at this yesterday. Steve, Steve may have a different opinion, but yeah. I mean, we're always harping on this show about you know skepticism. And I'm I'm very skeptical when it comes to photographs. Sure, right? you're a photographer. I yeah, did photography in the military and all, and as a journalist. And you know, there's pareidolia. You know, you yep. might take something. See faces. Yeah. But these are very, very clear. I don't know what yeah. you thought about that. Steve. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, as soon as yeah. I looked at it, I was like, you could see them, and I, you know, and what's what's a wild. Is that, and I've seen these in other pictures too, where there's a face, but then it almost seems like another face on the other side, almost all connected and, and kind of merging together. And it looks like there's like two or three of them in, in one picture. And it, I don't know what these things are, but they look like little elves, like 
big noses and yeah. like almost I, I've never seen anything like it before. Well, one of these things, one of the questions that arises here is precisely what you bring up. Yeah. What are these things? Right. You know, we put labels on them according to what we understand. Like you see, the, the, you see uh, what we call Bigfoot. It's got to be an animal that's just really hard to find. Mm. Uh, but other possibilities will sometimes escape most people. Uh, you see a light in the sky, it's got to be a craft. Now, certainly when it lands in Monster Land or anywhere else, and, and you see uh, the markings of landing pads, things of the, in the mar- you know, legs and all, right. okay, that's one thing. But sometimes when you see orange orbs that change color and all this business, uh, people say, well, maybe it's even a living thing, or mm-hmm. maybe it's not really a craft or whatever. I mean, what say you about all for me, after having, I uh, think, what, seven sightings now, these orange orbs, or I've had them, they interact with you. They, there's a connection to intent, to you speaking, um, thinking about them. They show up. These aren't um, Chinese lanterns. That was a fascinating part of the conversation yesterday, yeah. I thought. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. There's uh, numerous occasions where kind of like, oh, I kind of, they're going to be showing up or talking about them, and all of a sudden, there they are hovering in the sky. Um, so that's just so crazy to me that there is a connection there. And also, when I first had my uh, my first experience with two of them flying over my car coming into Lemonster from Boston, it was a week before the Finding Bigfoot episode was going to air. And um, oh, well, then they did an episode in that area. Correct. The, the yeah. show Finding. Yep. Yeah. And it was the Big Roadie episodes, which was all about Rhode Island. Rhode Island as well. Yep. They yeah. try to keep with the continuity. Of involved in that. Yep. Like the Johnsons. And yeah. 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 Exactly. Um, so they try to keep with the continuity of the show, so they don't say it's Lemonster, but they say, "Oh, we're on the border of Massachusetts yeah. and Rhode Island." So, but uh, well, I remember yeah. that uh, we watched that, and it was East Greenwich Town Hall, and they said, "Hey." Hey, I know that guy. I know her. Her. I know him. And you were there too. Yeah, right in yeah, the front. Right. Yeah, <laughs> like old home week. Everybody yeah. was, you know, it was it was great. So, well, th- th- this is the thing. Uh, and you bring up uh, something, Ronnie, that I think is very important, and that's that people don't just sit there like lumps and have these things happen to them. They participate. Right. In the reality, not necessarily creating it, but the experience is, is a participatory one. In other words. Um, we were talking yesterday, too, about people who, uh, that there'll be, a, say, a UFO, or mm-hmm. even a Bigfoot. And some people see it, yeah. and some people don't, even though they're in the same place. Yeah, you know? yeah. that's not always intriguing. I won't bring it up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, um, we'll move on now. Uh, but uh, it's, uh, for example, we had a, a very interesting report from uh, Western Connecticut where uh, a fellow was coming home from work, and there was this, this, he said it was rather beautiful, UFO disc-shaped thing kind of floating over his neighborhood. And other people were there, too. But only two people saw the thing. Hmm. A neighbor who was not with him, they mentioned it later on. And he said he felt as if he was being tested. It's, whatever that may mean, that's kind of an interesting way to put it. It's a very personal experience. Yeah. When I had my, if it really was a Bigfoot sighting in Pennsylvania last September, it's not the last thing I expected, because I'm not the kind of person that usually sees this stuff. There it was. You know? And, and I, I felt it was a very personal experience. And I'm not saying for some particular reason, there's always a reason, but I don't know. I mean, but, what, you know, we, we talked about that yesterday too, uh, and how, at that moment in time, when you had that sighting, there was the overwhelming feeling or thought that you were seeing something. You were privileged. Yes. Right. And so very that was at peace and very privileged. Yeah, it was like a positive thing. And yeah. also, when I had my first uh, sighting of the two orbs flying over my car, when I looked at them, 
it was that similar kind of thought or feeling that was like, okay, you're seeing something that's really special. These aren't from around here type thing. It wasn't yeah. like these are lanterns. It was so I knew from the get-go this this was something um, pretty unique. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, privileged. I think so. I mean, it's been a, a positive experience for me, this whole thing. Uh, yeah. You know, well, maybe Steve has a better analogy here. On, uh, yeah, I don't know if I'd say privileged, but uh, <laughs> yeah, in their case, yeah. 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 But uh, no, but definitely um, get the feeling of wow, this is something that not everybody in the world is going to experience. Oh, that's you know? true. Right. So, I mean, I guess privileged in that respect. But looking at this, some people, some people might say, okay, you got you got Bigfoot, then you got the thing in the sky over it or landed there, and I can say, well, you, if you see your neighbor has a drone in the yard and the cat is right underneath I mean aha there must be a connect. I mean hmm. are we going too far in saying that y- you've got what apparently is a large mammal uh, perhaps intelligent mm-hmm. uh, and then a, an orb of light are, are we going too far by saying that there's a connection no um, some of the research that I've done there's a connection to these balls of light there's been reports of uh, Bigfoot being seen holding a ball of light hmm Running into um, the woods and all of a sudden, you know, seconds later, this light shoots off from the sky. Uh, there's been uh, reports, I think, in, even in Pennsylvania with um, the book Silent Invasion, where um, this lady opens the door and there's a Bigfoot and she takes a shotgun out the blast and it disappears in a flash of light. Yes. So there's a connection to, and for me, when I got started in all this, just the fascination as a kid. I looked at it as the cryptozoological, you know, it was a it was a creature. Yeah. Now I have a completely different uh, interpretation of this. That mm-hmm. they are uh, interdimensional. They are some kind of alien uh, because they are seen in these same areas. They disappear mysteriously. Tracks just stop. Yeah. yeah. Um, but also just this interaction that seems to happen too. And there's other researchers out there that have had their heads turned 180 because of after 30 years they say this is something different. You know, this is not an animal. There's something else that's going on. Um, there's different researchers that have had them come into their house, like in the in the spirit kind of form yeah. and having these. And I've had, we talked about this um, yesterday too, about the marbles. Yeah. Uh, and we could talk that about that, hard. and that just really blew my mind. Yeah, you, you, we want to talk a little bit about that. Cause that sure, was, that was yeah. pretty wild. Yeah. I was actually going to find some marbles today. Too bad it's not full blown TV, right? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Mike Patterson, he's in um, Canada, and he had posted a bunch of different videos. Uh, if you look him up, Sasquatch Ontario. Yeah. And um, we have a lot of Canadian listeners. Yeah, yeah fascinating stuff. He's actually got. Uh, Nefertia is one of the, the names of this Bigfoot. And um, he's like, they're not an animal. They're a people. They have names. They, they live in tribes. They have special abilities and visibility. They can do all these different things. They can talk to you telepathically. And I was like, all right. So I watched a bunch of these videos, but as I was doing research for the book, and I said, you know, I'm coming down to this point where I want to learn more about it. So I reached out to Mike, and he was, um, you know, awesome and just said yeah let's let's have a conversation we chatted for a couple of hours over the phone and asked him about these things and and so there's a section in the book where i have an interview with him about it but he was talking about how uh the interdimensional aspect of bigfoot which was just like okay talk to me about how, how does this work and mm. he's like listen i have a mason jar 
full of marbles on the top of uh, the, my fireplace area that they give me. And people talk about gifting, right? They'll, they'll leave food out for them, these gifting bowls, and then they come back and there's a, a quartz crystal or these different things or twine that's kind of turned into a, like this little figure. He's like, no, they, they'll send me these marbles. And uh, Chris Munch, who's a director, was out there and very skeptical, I think, initially of Mike and wanted to go see it for himself. And Mike, um, very secretive of where this place is, this research area. But as Chris was talking to Mike about quantum physics and quantum mechanics and all this stuff about Bigfoot, a green marble appeared in thin air and just dropped to the ground. <laughs> and they both looked at each other, and Chris was just, like, blown away. So we were talking about that. I said, Mike, how do I get marbles to appear? How do I get that to happen? He said, listen, they, the reason why when hunters go out and they're trying to find them, they can't find them because they can read that intent. They know they're out there to harm them. People that go out in the woods with more of a, a peaceful, a loving you know, thought around them, that intention, they'll approach them. They'll, they'll communicate with them. And so he said, "When you next time you go out in the woods, just have that kind of air about you and project that as you're going through the woods." So I did that with the intent of you know trying to get some of these marbles, whatever. So bad move, no, but it was it was pretty cool. So I ended up um, doing the hike, and it was like the next day. I was around this time in spring. I was getting ready to mulch the front yard, so I cleaned off this whole spot and everything. And just an unbelievable day. It was gorgeous out. And I was just really grateful and just kind of projecting out, like, you know, thankful for this great day, blah, 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 blah. I leave this little spot, and it just cleared out the dirt, and there was nothing there. I walk, I go grab a drink of water, again, with that, that thought in my mind and, and projecting that out. I come back, and there's a marble sitting on top of the dirt. And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm looking around for the culprit, you know, like, who, who put this here? So I grab it, and I notice it's, like, blue and green, clear marble, and I kind of think instantly, all right, I'm going to write down what time is it, and I write it down, and I run inside, and I put it behind a book on my bookshelf, and then kind of like, this is too crazy. I'm like, all right, don't don't get ahead of yourself here, whatever. So I go back out and finish mulching, whatever, and, and um, come back in, totally kind of forget about it, wake up the next morning, and I'm just kind of, oh, yeah, that marble. So I went and go go to grab the marble, and I pull out the book, and right behind it, there's the marble, but it's a different color now. It's like <laughs> black and red. I'm like, what? And so I said out loud, I said, oh, man, I wish I took a picture of this so I could have shown the difference, like this thing has changed. So I said out loud, I said, send me another one so that I can take a picture of this and document it. And was later that day, my dad ends up calling me and says, hey, can you come over and help um, move a, a bureau uh, that from downstairs to upstairs, and yeah, sure. So I go over the house and walk in the garage, and we're walking to the door, and he's ahead of me. And he steps over the, the door jam, and he's like, oh, watch out, there's a marble right there. I don't know where that came from. And I was just like, <laughs> my heart was like beating a mile. I was like, what? And I look down, there's this blue and, and clear marble. I grab it, I just put it in my pocket. I wasn't about to say anything, you know? And I was like, oh, my goodness. So I tell my wife about this, and um, I took a picture of it and everything else, and she's kind of like, I think we talked about this yesterday, yeah, you're kind of losing your marbles <laughs> talking about this stuff. And maybe a week after that, we had people over at the house, and we were getting ready for a cookout, and we're in the backyard, 
we're talking. She's sitting down, and all of a sudden, she's like, Ronnie, Ronnie, get over here. And I'm like, what's the matter? She's like, look right there, and there's an orange marble sitting in the dirt. And she said, I swear to you, a minute ago, I looked down, and there was nothing there, and now there's an orange marble just sitting there. And I kind of laughed because she was very skeptical at first, and then I felt like they were listening, and, oh, we'll show her, you know? And so that was just a a crazy experience that I had, and it's like, what are the odds of that happening, right? Where you're kind of looking for it. We never bought the kids marbles. There wasn't any kind of, like, issue with that. All of a sudden these things show up. But the fact I was looking for them, the fact that I was really trying to get that to happen, and, and Mike Patterson told me this is what, will happen and I ended up calling him after that and he was just laughing hysterically he's like isn't this awesome I'm like I'm a little spooked out to be honest with you you know but um, yeah and that was kind of where I said you know there's something else going on here with these you things know, it's, it's funny I'm thinking back on certain poltergeist cases because uh, we come from that direction and you see things materializing like that uh, Tim Swartz and I, I never got this lucky in a case. There have been other things that have been, you know, weirdly materialized. But Tim Swartz, who was a well-known broadcaster, researcher, mm. works with Timothy Green Beckley, who's yeah. uh, a colorful and very uh, dear friend of ours, um, was talking about a poltergeist case. I, I can't remember exactly where it was, but he, uh, Illinois, I think, or Missouri. And no, there goes. There we go. Poltergeist. <laughs> um, thank you. Uh, there was a, uh, a these rocks that would just appear in midair and just fall, you know, and they were all white. Wow, stones. And he said he tried an experiment. He put an X with a, he took a sharpie, put an X on one, and he went and threw it out in the field. There was a cornfield in the back, and within half an hour, more rocks had appeared, including the one with the X, and it then fell to the floor. No way. Yeah. So I mean, you wonder uh, are the same processes. Um, multiversal, if you will, processes, yeah. interworld uh, processes involved in these materializations, whether it's Bigfoot disappearing. Our, our producer looks like he's going to... Well, before we go on to the next point, we need to take our break. Oh, right. Yeah, we're so excited here. <laughs> okay, bottom of the hour break. Folks, you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno, minus the Ben, uh, with uh, Steve LaPlume sitting in for Ben today, who's on his anniversary trip, uh, with our wonderful guest, Ronnie LeBlanc, and uh, ON 1240 here in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Joe Callahan, host of Coffee Ann, the longest-running panel discussion show in American radio. You never know what topic will pop up on Coffee Ann. So join us weekday mornings 8 to 9 on ON 1240 WOON Woonsocket Radio. Okay, we're back behind the paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno with Steve LaPlume sitting in for Ben today and our very interesting guest, Ronnie LeBlanc, talking about Monster Land up around the Lemonster, Massachusetts area, which we're, uh, Ben and I are looking at as kind of a new flap area, yeah. not really so new, but new to us. And a uh, great discussion here. And there are a number of charities uh, that we have adopted on the show that we will talk about toward our announcement uh, section at the end. A lot of veterans' charities, uh, U.S. and Canadian, and a couple of great uh, charities, too, for uh, folks out in the West Coast, things like that. But we'll talk about that. Okay, so um, we were talking about these the strange materializations that, have, yeah. that, that maybe imply that Bigfoot is not just some mammal you go out and try and catch or shoot. Now, we had um, one of the stars of Killing Bigfoot 
on a few, a few and some some of the listenership went to Pluto, you know, <laughs> sure. as we used to I'm say. Sure. Yeah, because how can you? But you know, we we don't suppress any opinions on this show. Mm-hmm. Anything is possible. But but his opinion that we disagreed with was that this is just a mammal, um, and that's his approach. And when you don't expect anything more, when you don't go out and have perhaps the, the respect and the reverence that Ronnie you just mentioned, and that we, I think, agree on, then you end up with just. You don't you don't find anything, and you right. know you you you're, you're shooting at bears, and I don't know, but it just it did it didn't seem like it was good enough, but that's that was our opinion. Mm-hmm. So I mean, obviously you would you would agree that we're dealing with something uh, far more sophisticated phenomenon. Uh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you just look at so many different researchers like uh, Kawoni uh, Lapsaritis, who's been doing this for fifty five years. If you can spell his name, yeah, yeah. and. Uh, he he's actually was uh, did some teaching in Massachusetts. He's in Washington State now, but um, he's documented over 400 cases of people that had these experiences with Bigfoots on the interdimensional side of things. Yeah, and um, so many other researchers uh, like Rob Riggs, who recently passed away, uh, even you know Nick Redfern, who says this is the, there has to be a paradigm shift here because mm. this is something different. It's not a mammal. It it, it could be on the same side of things in regards to uh, we're mammals, you know, but um, that they can live in both worlds. You can look at what the Native Americans have been talking about for the longest time. To us, the, the, those are the ones you talk to because they have the longest experience. And they say, you know, they live between both worlds. Yeah. You know, they can, um, you know, this researchers like Mark Para in Colorado who feel, he feels that, um, you know, they are born on Earth, but then they learn these different skills and how to go invisible and all these different things and um you know their shamans have even talked about how um like cat hansen is a medicine woman um and she talks about that they can turn into these balls of light and um and then change back so and shamans have supposedly have this ability can do this as well so there's just something that i think we've um look at these things as myths and legends and that's Mm -hmm. it but truth is stranger than fiction. Well, right? every, so. every bit of folklore is based on some grain of truth Absolutely. somewhere. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, all right. Now, the um, the issue of um, interdimensionality, and I should make the the, the the fine point from physics that parallel worlds and dimensions are really not the same thing. And I, you know, but it's it's really we we use the terms interchangeably. Yeah. Uh, but dimensions are within world. You know. But whatever. I mean, right. the, the point is that. Uh, physicists who accept this, and most do in some form or another, mm-hmm. uh, pretty much all do, uh, say that there are th- these parallel worlds would have different physical laws. And what we've run into, and, and what I've run into um, over the decades, has been uh, entities not just not necessarily Bigfoot, but uh, you know, I'm looking back at, at an experience that occurred in the late '70s in Buffalo, New York, when I was in this attic, and people said. Well, we have uh, footsteps in the attic, and we have ghosts. Well, you know, they assume it's the guy who committed suicide in the garage. You know, mm-hmm. thirty years before, but I never assumed that. Went up and, and uh, in a meditative state, kind of kept quiet. And there was this—I I thought of him as bear-like, hmm. very ursine figure, very noble. Uh, was on, on a quest or on a trip, and speaking in Latin. A very strange form of Latin, different case endings. And it took three days to get through this conversation. If I got it right, he was looking for a place called Renthusia. 
which I'd never heard of before or since. And he was just sort of passing through. And then after the conversation, they never heard any more sounds in their attic. Um, was this, could, could this have been a Bigfoot? Was the bear-like thing kind of my, I'm going to say it was a bear, mm. but it just, and you could see the outline. Um, wow. Of a very large, so I'm wondering now, maybe yeah. this was some kind of Bigfoot. Probably, yeah. We have a caller? Yes, we have uh, Tom Spitaleri on. Oh, Tom Spitaleri, okay, very good. Yes, um, Tom, welcome to the show. I guess we're going to be uh, sort of uh, taking a little bit of uh, time to talk about uh, a forthcoming event, of which a number of us will feature. If you could just talk yeah. talk about that. Yeah, well, first of all, I want to thank you and Ronnie for coming down and speaking at the New England Parafest. Absolutely. Well, yet, so no, no, <laughs> no kidding, we'll, we'll be there with bells on, as yeah, my generation would say. Yeah. <laughs> Second of all, before we even jump to the Parafest, this is breaking news that what's going to happen with the Parafest. Um, the Hilldale Cemetery Association, which all the money is going uh, to from the Parafest after we pay the Kittery people, um, every dime of it going to the Hilldale Cemetery, is launching, and this hasn't even hit the Havel news yet, so you're getting the news first. Uh, oh, well, thank you. Uh, we're launching a $10,000 uh, fundraising campaign for this year. And it starts with the Parafest. Well, well the Parafest, which is next Saturday. Next Saturday, April, April 29th. 29th. Yeah. At the, at the Kittery Community Center. And before I even get started into that, i got to thank publicly two of my very close friends that have come together and helped me drastically put this event together. First of all, Lynn Nickerson, who actually found the, the Kittery Community Center, mm -hmm. who has opened their arms to the Essex County Ghost Project and Spirit Chasers. And second of all, Willie Hassel from uh, Spirit Chasers. They're both members of Spirit Chasers Paranormal. They've done an excellent job getting the press out there on the seacoast. And thank you very much for helping us get up there in northern Maine. Yeah, that was uh, that, that, that came together through our publisher, yeah. And we're talking about the Kittery, Kittery Maine Community Center. Yeah. Uh, from our listening area here, yeah. hour maybe, and yeah, uh, about that. That'd be great. No, it's very close, and we got some great speakers coming. Of course, we got Ronnie coming. He's going to be talking about encounters with UFOs, Bigfoot, and orange orbs. I'm looking forward to hearing that. Oh talk. yeah, this is just uh, a, a slight taste of what we yeah. were, we're going to enjoy on Saturday here. Right, exactly. Yeah, and uh, ben, ben and Jeremy. I will be there too. And uh, yeah, we got you and you, you got Paul and Ben the host of this great radio show that we're on right now and uh, author, researcher, and paranormal extraordinaire. We got Jeremy <laughs> Dietamont, uh, author, lector on Haunted Light, and probably the foremost historian on Lighthouse, not just on Jeremy's the East great. Coast, but now on the West Coast, I think probably in the United States at this point. Seacoast uh, Austin of New England. They'll be there uh, talking about how they uh, help people with the UFO and first, you know, dealing with UFOs and people who have UFO issues who have still deal with them privately that don't want to come out publicly. This is a support group that will help you out. So if you want to come listen, you don't have to raise your hand and tell people you were taken by uh, by a UFO. If you don't want to, you can meet with them privately later on. Mm -hmm. But yeah, they will be folks. there to explain that. Connecticut Paranormal Research Team, they're coming all the way from Connecticut up to Kittery to do a little talk about what they do. Mm -hmm. uh, another friend of yours, I believe, mm -hmm. 
This guy's a great investigator, too. I've actually had him on a case in Havel with me. It was a double house, two houses. We brought in three teams, 14 investigators to investigate two houses in the same night, right next door to one another. We did our investigation. Come to find out there were some not-so-nice spirits in there. I contacted you for some help because I did need some help. And you gave me this guy's name, Shane Sawa. He came down and he was great. He really helped. Shane me is out. you can't go. You stick with Shane. You can't go wrong. Yeah, and he's at TrueGhost.com. And then uh, one of our next big speaker, he's published. I think the numbers up to twelve was or thirteen. I know he's working. He just got one released recently, and I think he's working on two more. The last time I spoke to him. And that's Tom D'Agostino and Arlene Nickerson. Oh, Tom, they will a very, be very good friend. Yeah. Yeah. Werewolf. So we got some friends of yours coming, and we have some vendors coming, and one, I think, is a friend of both of yours. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to apologize ahead of time if this gentleman is listening, because I'm going to blow this one out the water. Alexander? I did when I had him on my TV show. Alexandra... Petrikov. Petrikov. He will <laughs> right. be there with Bigfoot uh, imprint. I actually just had him on my own TV, Dan Ray's TV show here in Haverhill. Really? So it's going to be I'll a tell great you, We time. can't wait, Tom. Yeah, I, know, it's I fun. can't wait to see you guys. It's, fun. it's always fun seeing you guys. This is the second time you've done this for us, and we greatly appreciate it. Um, and the Hilldale greatly appreciates it. And we've actually, since the second therapist, we've actually been able to clean up about 60% of the cemetery was volunteers. Yeah, Hilldale Cemetery, and, and that's, uh, where's that located? That's in the Haverhill? Haverhill, Massachusetts. Haverhill, Mass, yep. historic cemetery, and this is for the, for the benefit of the restoration of that, that property. Correct. Very good. And I want to thank you guys publicly and obviously privately, both of you and Ronnie, for coming down and helping us out with this. I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of great people there. Looking forward to this being a huge event this year. And we have two psychics coming down from Ireland, I just found out this morning. Well, there you got the, you got the whole gamut there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, my whole my team psychic who, who runs um, psychic fairs called me uh, recently, and, you know, I wrote their names down, and I can't think, I cannot even remember, I don't remember why I wrote them down, but... So you're not very psychic this. today. <laughs> we, we will, no, no. Right. We have uh, Auntie Don doing, she's bringing two psychics over from Ireland. They'll be with us from 9 to 2. That'll be a bond burner. Absolutely. All right. Okay, and great. Tom, thanks for calling in. Uh, we'll look forward much. to We'll be promoting that again, and we'll look forward to seeing you next Saturday. See you Saturday, See you Tom. Great. Take care. All right. All right. Take care. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. So let's, let's go from Kittery, Maine, to Bigfoot. Back yeah. to Bigfoot here. Okay. So um, we're talking about physical manifestations, and that that's essentially what science, quote-unquote, will look for. Mm-hmm. But, of course, nothing is ever going to really prove. Uh we're thinking, too, one of the questions we have, is we, we constantly run into this, and maybe Steve has a thought on this. If, you ha- if this were a, just a normal you know, garden variety mammal, although a big one, you have to have a certain breeding population. Yep. You have to have a certain uh, habitat. Right? And we keep running into Bigfoot reports in the flap areas, in farm country, particularly western Pennsylvania, patches of woods fields, farms, and really no extensive woodlands. But you have more extensive woodlands than Lemonsburg. Yeah. But even still, it's a, it's a highly populated area. Mm-hmm. Um, to us, that's more 
of a of an indication. Maybe they're coming and going from right. somewhere or somewhere, and uh, have some sort of abilities in that direction. Now, Steve, I don't know if you have a thought on that. Um, no, I guess my thought would be um, if these things are able to move around as a orb or go through what you call a flap area. Yeah. Um, maybe that accounts for the fact that nobody's ever found a body or bones or well, anything to yeah. that effect. I mean, that would cover that. Yeah. But, uh, I, I don't know about the whole, you know, turning themselves into orbs. Thing, but, hey, you know, anything is possible. If you can conceive it, it's out there somewhere right. in the yeah. multiverse. So you know, what, it's interesting to me, too, is when you talk to, and we, we both of us have spoke at the UFO conference in Lemonster, people... All when, three of us, actually. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. People... When you explain Bigfoot being an, an animal and they can't find bones, body, whatever, and then you talk about them being interdimensional and being some kind of alien, they come and go. And I heard time and time again people going, "Okay, that makes sense. I can I can buy that." Yeah, I hear that. And too. and you're like, really? I mean, because that's that's <laughs> a stretch. It's you know, it's wild. A, yeah. But yeah. the fact that it makes sense. Yeah. And people that normally wouldn't necessarily believe in this stuff go, "Okay, that." That falls in line. That for some reason that makes sense. And well, that people who come mind. to these conferences are not necessarily believers, right? Some of them are out there, you know, Pluto or somewhere. But I mean, some of them are, did they come to find? There are a lot of PhDs who show up at this. A lot mm-hmm. of healthcare professionals, some mental healthcare professionals. Maybe they'll look at the speakers. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, there's there's a great variety of people. They're not just people with you know with, with the uh, the tinfoil hats. Right. To show up at these UFO conferences, the serious ones like uh, the Exeter UFO Festival or or the New England Greater New England UFO Conference in, in Lemonster. Right. These are serious conferences, you know. And the whole the whole community gets involved, and it's really goodness for charity. A lot of it, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, that's something I think Ben and I are going to have to look at more seriously. Is the whole orb thing is connected yeah. to this? Yeah. Um, and we were talking, too, that there are certain places, uh, I think in particular here in New England, where uh, I have seen orbs with the naked eye and where they attempt to follow you or seem to act in an intelligent manner. Yeah. And uh, I always ask, and I don't know if you want to consider asking people who you sp- speak with who are witnesses, uh, when they are close to an orb, does it spit? And, and not, I don't, you know, I mean, in an electrical sense. Right, like, you know, yeah. Snap, crackle, and pop, that kind of thing. Uh, because ball lightning does that. But ball lightning can uh, act in an intelligent manner as well. Mm-hmm. Follow you around. Sometimes really? Cha- yeah. I not uh, aware of that. Uh, I had someone I was talking to here in Rhode Island who had one. All of a sudden, they turned around. They 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 heard this uh, sort of spitting, snapping sound, and they turned around. And there was this big ball of light in their living room. It followed them through the hallway into the kitchen, and, and then exploded with a big, with a huge pop. You know, and they they, they called us right away, <laughs> wow. disconcerted. That's so why you're probably just dealing with balling, electrical mm. phenomenon. Well, what's interesting is I've seen the, the orange orbs at night, but I've also seen them during the day. Right. And I actually had a friend with, that was with me. They show up two of the biggest times of the year where people see orange orbs, and this is probably because they're looking up, is 4th of July and around New Year's Eve. And the reason for that is fireworks. So mm. there's a lot of times where people are seeing these and they're looking up into the sky. So um, in Lemonster, this was a week before 4th of July celebrations. Um, this was a couple years back now. We and I somehow expected to see something, so I brought binoculars. Mm-hmm. Um, we were at uh, Doyle Field in Lemonster, and they had a band, and everyone's playing, and everyone's facing the stage, and I'm looking the other direction, looking up at the sky, just kind of watching, and it's clear blue sky. 
And then sure enough, here comes this orange orb flying across the sky. And I, I, I like hit my buddy. I'm like, you, are you seeing this right now? And we're watching it. And we see the first one. I give him the binoculars. And he's watching it through. And he's like, what is that? Is that a lantern? I'm like, do you see a bag? Yeah. You know, a paper bag? Do you see anything? No, you just see this ball. And as he's watching it, it was almost like it went behind like this doorway. It just disappeared. Mm-hmm. And then maybe five, ten minutes later, here comes another one following the same path, going the same way, disappears in the same spot. We saw, I think, three or four of them that follow that same path. And this is what they do, too. It's like some of them I've seen going in one direction and going in another direction, but this is broad daylight. And he's still, even though he saw it with his physical eyes through binoculars, uh, a lady, he posted something on Facebook the next day, and she said, oh, people were letting off uh, paper lanterns. He's like, oh, that must have been it. But I was like, you saw this thing. You didn't see the paper bag, but you're accepting someone's definition of what happened because it's too fantastic for you to believe otherwise. Mm-hmm, yeah. And it's just we're so, I think, programmed to kind of go, nope, this is, there's always an explanation. And in most, uh, most cases there are. But this was something that he saw with his physical eyes through binoculars, and he still is doubting that it was what it was. Do you feel that, okay, even if these are uh, interworld, give and take, kind of overlap, intersect, deliberate comings and goings, Mm -hmm. okay, by orbs, Bigfoot, both, whatever, that still doesn't explain why some people in the same crowd will see it and some will not. What are your thoughts on that? Either, either. Well, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, because I had some thoughts on that with my sighting was the fact that here's a craft hanging over our heads and, you know, somebody 100 yards away in a yeah. in a tower doesn't see it. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a whole base full of people. Somebody must have seen this, yeah. and yet nobody did. So, uh, I mean, I'm not going to mention the R word, no matter what. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, <that's all. laughs> but, uh, but uh, no, I mean, it's just, uh, it's just mind-boggling to me that... Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's it's just... And we run into that all the time. People come to us with their Well, somebody explained to me one time, or tried to explain it to me, was um, sometimes they come into your field of view in a certain dimensional way and nobody else has seen it because of, I, I guess, the, maybe you're looking at it from a different angle or mm. something. Or, oh, I, I've had I don't know. Two, two um, instances where, one, it was myself, another friend, and all of our kids. And we saw three of them hovering in the sky. Everybody saw them. Uh, another instant was instance was uh, Cape Cod, where again I knew they were going to be coming in, and there was a crowd of maybe ten people below that had seen them the night before, and they were ready with binoculars and cameras, and they had no idea what these things were, and so there was twelve of us, and we all saw them. So we're at a close encounters. Eh? Yeah, yeah. On the other side tonight. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and so you know, I've always been curious about that too: is how come sometimes people see them and sometimes they don't. But in those cases where there were multiple witnesses, everybody saw the same thing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, oh, I saw it orange and it was white, and no, I saw it was blue. They all saw two of them flying together, and then five, ten minutes later, another two coming, you know, going out into the ocean. Uh, but basically giving us a shell, flying right by us along the beach, and then going off into the into the ocean. The Especially the New Ager types will say, there's a, there's a message here. Mm. Uh, what, in your opinion, have you ever received a... I, I hate to put it this way because it sounds so goofy, but... Yeah. Have you ever received insights or felt that you've you've said, aha, something about life, uh, that, something... Have you benefited from... Uh, yeah, I mean, I've never... hearing about these. Yeah, I mean, I not like I heard a voice that said, you know, we are, you know... 
But it was like what you experienced with seeing that Bigfoot in Pennsylvania is having that that thought that came that came over you and just kind of this is something special, this is something different. For me, there's times where I believed in this stuff, and there's times where I was kind of like, all right, this this, this is all just kind of made up in your mind kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But when I saw these things, it just kind of said, nope. There's there's synchronicity. There's something else going on. There's there's someone or something else orchestrating a lot of different things, and you're not alone. There's more to this universe that we don't know that we're starting to learn about, and that was one of those things where, for me, it was um, this whole experience has been more spiritual. I think it's brought me closer to God, if you want to call it him that mm-hmm. or her that, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but to the universe, and that there's just a bigger picture and for us to think that we're the only ones and being so egocentric is yeah. is laughable steve any any final thoughts oh, i hate to put it that way but any uh, <laughs> <Final> thoughts <laughs> as far as the, coming down to our last few minutes um yeah no, just echo what he was saying was um yeah maybe it's just uh, maybe the message is the fact that hey you need to open up your minds and think not just outside the box maybe you can try to live outside the box a little more i like that yeah yeah, sure. yeah. all right excellent Okay, uh, I want you to give, let's hold your book up. Sure. And then you give it to our producer. Maybe you can hold up the camera there and uh, tell us about that. Again, your websites, yeah. uh, what's going on, your shows. So uh, the book's Monsterland. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it on Barnes Noble. Uh, my website is RonnieLeBlanc.com, R-O-N-N-Y-L-E-B-L-A-N-C. Uh, you can find me on Facebook as well as uh, the Monsterland Facebook page. So you can send me a message that way or, or through the website. And uh, every third Monday of the month on WAF 107.3 FM in Boston, I'm on with Maddie and Nick, and we talk about all types of stuff, but it's basically Monsterland Monday. Very good. Monsterland Monday. (laughs) Throwback Thursday, Monsterland Monday. Okay, very good. Well, let's uh, take away our announcements there, Uh, Steve. uh, Get us going, if you would. Sure. All right. And uh, you can find Paul and Ben's new book, Behind the Paranormal, Everything You Know is Wrong. Uh, it's in most bookstores, and if they don't have it, they can always order it for you. Or you can get online with uh, Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, or a bunch of other online retailers would carry it. Uh, but if you're really serious, you can uh, get an autographed copy uh, at the show's website. Uh, and Paul and Ben's next event will be at the New England Parafest in Kittery, Maine, which we just heard about. Yep. Uh, this will be next Saturday, the 29th. Uh, and there'll be a bunch of great speakers, as was mentioned, uh, including our... Uh, co-host here, uh, excuse me, frequent co-host. Yeah, frequent (laughs) co-host. Shane, am I saying this right? Sir Way? Sir Way, yeah. Sir Way, okay. And uh, none other than Ronnie LeBlanc will be there. Okay. And we offer a double feature in Connecticut on Saturday, May 6th. Uh, We'll address the Connecticut chapter of MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network, very, very good, incredible group. That will be at 11 a.m. in Windsor Locks. And then we will magic ourselves across the Connecticut River to South Windsor, uh, where we will present the at the new home of the Book Club Bookstore at 3 p.m. Uh, that's free and open to the public. Okay. Then their next uh, appearance will be at the Saucer Symposium at KRI Center for Consciousness Studies in Stratham, New Hampshire. Boy, say that ten times. Fast. I'll actually be there tomorrow <laughs> yeah. night doing a uh, oh, really? presentation. Yeah, oh, at the Center of oh, Consciousness cool. Studies. So. Now you're going to be at this as well, though. though. Yes. We're gonna be, yep. Okay. Yeah. You're a busy man. I am. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And uh, this is going to be happening on May 20th and 21st. And uh, Paul and Ben will be presenting on Saturday, and then on Sunday uh, they'll be doing a live show from noon to one um, from that event with a panel of speakers, including Ronnie LeBlanc, who will also uh, present at that event. 
And that takes 10 years off Ben's life. Now, you yeah. were on our panel in Exeter. Yes. Last year, uh, we did a live broadcast from there. And Josh was at this end, Ben was at the other, and I think they both lost uh, 10 years off their lives. <laughs> but, hey, it wasn't pretty, but it came out all right. So uh, moving right along, we'll be uh, back for a presentation at the wonderful Book Lovers Gourmet Bookstore and Cafe in Webster, Massachusetts, right here in our listening area, Saturday, June 17th at 1 p.m. And that brings us to Saturday, June 24th, and it's back to the Danbury Public Library in Connecticut, uh, where they apparently can't get enough of us. So we'll be doing some, something we've never done before, a presentation specifically for young people aged 7 to 14 years of age. The program, Monster Hunters, a cryptozoology workshop with Paul and Ben Eno. You should probably be doing that now. Not, um, and we hope that our new book, Behind the Paranormal, Bigfoot, Mothman, and Monsters You Never Heard Of, will be ready for le- release at that event. And it's going to have a, 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 excellent. A, a special page just for Ronnie and some of the other greats in this field. Okay, and then on uh, Thursday, July 27th, Paul and Ben will present their program, What's Really Behind the Paranormal, at the Prospect Senior Center in Prospect, Connecticut at 1 p.m., and this is open to the public. Yeah, you don't have to be uh, over 60 to attend, (laughs) although I will be. Uh, That'll bring us to August 18th to 20th. Ben and I will speak at the Para-Unity Conference in Felsmere, Florida. Uh, There are preliminary plans to do a live broadcast from this show uh, from that event uh, on August 20th, and Ben will not have a single hair in his head by that time. (laughs) Uh, our fall po- programs will include the Exeter UFO Festival, a special program in Litchfield, Connecticut in September, and the Greater New England UFO Conference in Lemonster, Mass. in October, and a whole bunch of us will all, will all be there. Uh, new events are being added frequently, so check it out. Uh, BehindTheParanormal.com, our show website, or on our, our show Facebook page for uh, updates. Okay, and you can check out Paul and Ben's uh, YouTube channel, Behind the Paranormal Case Files. Okay. That's all I got. That, yeah, that's all there is. Okay. Yeah. Uh, th- that has uh, gone a bit dormant because of the, the lunatic schedule we've had, and uh, we're, what Ben swears someday he's going to get that fourth video up there, and that's going to be about the, uh, I believe, about the uh, Bridgeport, Connecticut case of uh, 1974 where stuff was hitting me in the leg and oh, all that. Anyway, uh, meanwhile, again, you can find out more about the show, our many cases over the years, and our public appearances at that show website, BehindTheParanormal.com. We'll find over 700 hours of free recorded shows and podcasts from both ON 1240 here and our four-and-a-half-year run on CBS Radio, along with special shows and podcasts. Uh, many of you would be happy to know that those sites uh, and also our site, uh, NewEnglandGhost.com, are being totally redesigned, um, and that should be more... I don't know what the, the buzzwords are, user-friendly or whatever, <laughs> and you won't uh, have a headache when you finish using them. Uh, there are a couple of other books by moi, and that is uh, Amazon.com, Amazon Kindle, Barnes & Noble, all the usual suspects, uh, Faces at the Window, Footsteps in the Attic, um, certainly Turning Home, God, Ghost, and Human Destiny, and something of total disinterest to our non-local audience, Rhode Island, A Genial History, written with the late uh, Glenn Laxton, terrific uh, fellow reporter and historian. Okay, so uh, let's skip over to, well, what do we have there next week there, Steve? Uh, next Sunday, April 30th, Paul and Ben will bring you an online, excuse me, yeah, an online show uh, joined by... Open line show. Uh, open line yeah. show. Ah, I can almost read today. <laughs> That's right. It's only the second time you've It, it must, must be all the, uh, the poisoning I got from the ticks yesterday. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, so they will be joined by co-host uh, Shane Saway. Uh, to tackle their stack of questions from listeners on all paranormal subjects, uh, send your questions to paul at behindtheparanormal.com. 
Okay, that's about all the time we have. I'm Paul Eno. And thanks, Ronnie, for joining us. Thank you guys so much. Appreciate it. And who are you? And I'm Steve LaPlume, sitting in for Ben Eno, who will be back next week. Thank you for joining us on our uh, great cosmic journey, and we will see you behind the paranormal.